Good morning. You're listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. It's Wednesday, December 13th, and it's the Feast of St. Lucy, and I have to make a comment about that. The first time I went into St. Anthony's Church many years ago and saw the statue of St. Lucy up on the altar where she had her eyeballs in her hands, I was a little bit taken aback. <laughs> it is a, it is an, uh, one of the more shocking uh, icons, one of the more unusual icons, yes. if you don't, especially if you don't know the story. I don't know that we have time to tell the story, no. but you can look it up somewhere on the internet, I'm sure, by Googling uh, St. Lucy's eyeballs or something. But as I was saying, today's a, I mean, St. Lucy's is a great day to be listening to the radio because you don't need to see anything, right? You just, just rely on your hearing. Right. So this and is perfect. We've got a great guest later on. It's in a pre recorded session uh, with uh, Tina Sapp, Sip, pardon me, from uh, African Children's Choir. Uh, and so uh, we'll go into that in a few minutes. Right now, I would like to ask my friend Thaddeus about what is happening with Red Sea Radio in January. Hey, good morning, Gene. Yeah, we've got the second annual Red Sea Catholic Radio Family Retreat. The theme this year is being present to our families through the real presence. We're having the Alexanders, Greg and Julie Alexander, come in from San Antonio to be the keynote speaker. We really encourage you to come out January 5th and 6th. It's Friday night, January 5th from 6 to 9, and it's all day Saturday, January 6th, Saturday from 8 to 5. We'll have um, potluck dinner and kind of fun and games on Friday night, and then finish Friday night with adoration and some song. Saturday will be talks. We'll have Pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3. We'll have lunch and breakfast provided. There'll be daycare, a children's program, um, and just a, a wonderful uh, time to come together as a family and focus on finding ways to slow down, to be more uh, there for one another in the family, and looking at how our attachment to the Eucharist and our, our devotion to the Eucharist can help us do that. If Anybody here has not heard the Alexanders before. Theirs is a an outstanding story uh, that I heard when they were here another time and talking about how their marriage was almost totally gone, yeah. and God works sovereignly in each of their lives, and uh, now they are ministering to families and to people. So if, if your marriage is maybe even a little rocky right now, it would be an excellent time to go and listen to uh, uh, Greg and Julie and uh, maybe even talk to them about your situation on an aside during a break. Yeah, they're going to try to be around for the whole retreat on Saturday. They're really excited about the theme and um, very pleased to be here. So with that said, January 5th and 6th, come uh, visit redsearadio.org slash retreat, and that's where you can register. The registration is $40, but no family is turned away, and and, and, and we want families, uh, we want everyone to come. And that's $40 a family. Not $40, yeah, $40 a family. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Now, another thing, a little bit Red Sea radio related, uh, there were a lot of spots that you heard about Megan Silas being interviewed on the journey home. And if you did not get an opportunity to see that on EWTN TV, or you didn't get to hear it here, there is an opportunity for you to go to YouTube and if you put in, uh, do a search and put in Megan Silas Journey Home, you will be able to see that. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know who Megan Silas is, she was one of the original people here at Red Sea Radio, and uh, she is the person who who really originated Red Sea Roundup until her her time to move on came and God moved her on. And that's when yours truly and three others took care of the program, and hopefully we're doing a job just half as well as she did. Doing a wonderful job. I love working with you all. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is that with Christmas on a Monday this year, mm. the, it's going to offer some challenges for going to Mass. We get a twofer, right? Don't we, Gene? Uh, no, we don't get a twofer. You've got, two day, you've got your Sunday obligation and your Holy Day obligation. Oh, okay. And you, and you really need to check your local parish bulletin to find out which Mass counts for which. Now, uh, several of the parishes here... The 5.30 or 5 o'clock Mass, or whatever it is, on Sunday afternoon will be an East, uh, Christmas Vigil Mass. Yeah. So uh, it will not count for your Sunday obligation. Yeah. And so just check that out a little bit. And there's always, you know, you can go uh, Saturday evening anticipated for the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then you could go Sunday evening for your anticipated Christmas Mass, yes. for, for example. Yes, so you can, you're rested up when Santa Claus comes and delivers all the right. gifts. But you were, you were also saying off the air that if you uh, attend, you can attend your Sunday, Saint- fourth Sunday of Advent on Christmas Eve and your on the 24th and your Christmas vigil on the 24th, and you can go to communion at both because they're two separate that My understanding is as long as it's two separate celebrations, you can receive communion at each Mass. Yeah. And so uh, another thing uh, Christmas-related is the Star of Bethlehem. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Tim Logan, who's uh, in the Atmospheric Science Department at Texas A&M University, gave a presentation to the women at St. Joseph's yes, uh, for about this. And I don't know that there's anything on that particular thing that is, is recorded that you could listen to it. However, there's a man who has a, a local connection here in College Station by the name of Rick Larson, who a number of years ago uh, put together a DVD with called The Star of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. which you can find on YouTube. Uh, if you put in Rick Larson, The Star of Bethlehem, you'll find it. And it's it, quite fascinating. It is a fascinating story, uh, uh, how God used uh, some of the celestial, or according to Mr. Larson, used some of the celestial things that happened to get the Gentiles involved so that the three kings would come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also saw that on Catholic Answers Live, there was a comment that we need to be a little bit cautious about this because uh, if you if you look at it wrongly, you'll think that astrology really works. And it isn't really that astrology works. It's that God used the way that the heavens align to bring attention to the birth of his son. Right, right. Uh, I've got a question, too, for you. Thaddeus, uh, with, What's the ho- up? with the th- holidays coming up, I'm sure that the normal schedule for programming is going to be a little bit different for Christmas Day and New Year's Day and perhaps the, the eaves of both of those. Is that correct? Yes, Christmas and Christmas Day programming is going gonna, is gonna to be a little bit different. There'll be some, um, there'll be the conclusion of some of the Advent retreats that's going on. They'll be broadcasting Christmas Mass uh Vigil and Christmas Day from the Vatican. Uh, I believe they'll be broadcasting a Mass from the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. So there'll be that kind of those kind of programming changes um, coming on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. But uh, it's going to be something, definitely something good to have on in the in the background 
on those days when you're when you're baking or cooking or preparing food or stuffing yourself with your t- stuffed turkey. Sure, sure, sure. So so flip us on occasionally uh, on those days to uh, to get some good programming. Uh, uh, I'm going to say uh, one thing about my guest of their that my guest that I'm having coming up is with the African Children's Choir, and they're going to be in Caldwell at the Civic Center on the 22nd at 7 p.m. And it is a fundraising thing for them. The price of admission is free, but they take up a free will offering. Uh, You can get more information about the African Children's Choir by going to africanchildrenschoir.com, or if you you go to YouTube or Google them, you will see some rather energetic children and some rather reverent children singing. And so with that, are we about ready? We got about what? 30 seconds. 30 so seconds. So let's. It's been a wonderful morning, and we're excited yes. to bring you this this pre recorded interview with Tina Sip, choir manager of the African Children's Choir. And they're going to be in Caldwell on what, December 22nd? 22nd at 7 p.m. Yeah. And that's not too far for you, Pope, for those folks in the Bryan College Station area. And it's probably not too far for folks from Waco to come either. And with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a, just a minute or two, and we'll have the interview. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and you have not twisted the dial on your radio to another station or another station sort of trying to drown out your Red Sea radio station. This is the Children's African Choir, and I have a very special guest today, Tina Sip from the African Children's Choir. I believe she's the choir manager, and we're going to be interviewing her about what the African Children's Choir is and also, uh, we're doing this because they are going to be appearing in Caldwell on the, I believe it's the 22nd of December at the, I believe it's Caldwell Civic Center. If I'm correct, I'll have to get that, look that up again. Tina, so glad to have you with us here today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you so much for having us on the program. We sure appreciate you helping us get the word out. The music is spectacular. I uh, I listened to mm. uh, several pieces uh, when I was uh, contacting uh, Lydia Sherwood, and she sent me a, uh, a link, and I did a Google. And anybody that hears what's going on here and, and wants to get more information, they can certainly Google the African Children's Choir, and you can also look at their website, which is africanchildrenschoir.org, for more information. Uh, tell me a little bit... Uh, Tina, what is the African Children's Choir? Yes, we are a uh, Christian nonprofit organization, and really our main thrust is to provide education for orphaned and impoverished children in Africa. And um, 
they are children that would not otherwise be able to receive an education because what many people here in the West um, don't understand is that education is not accessible to all. Um, in, in East Africa, where we primarily work, um, a government-run school, a public school, you still need to pay for a uniform, pencils, papers, and um, that is beyond the means of the families that we're trying to help. So when you don't have the money even for a government school, you certainly don't have the fees for a private school, and so you have tens of thousands of children left out. And these are children that have unlimited potential, untapped potential. They're bright, they're gifted, and they just lack opportunity. So we are really, uh, the, the thrust has become how many of these children can we educate not just for that particular child, which is important enough, but with the intention and the strategy to raise up future Christian leadership for communities, cities, country, and the continent. Um, we're all very well aware of some of the challenges that Africa faces. Um, we're not so aware of the beautiful resources that they have. And, and so I'm really very proud of our organization that we don't camp on necessarily, you know, the challenges are definitely in the backdrop. That it is difficult there. There's no question about that. But we don't need to stay there. Where we want to move people to is to present the beauty, the dignity, the potential of these children and Africa's future. And so I'm very proud that I'm very proud to represent African Children's Choir because of our approach. And um, when you see the children perform and uh, you, you get a sense of of what, the, you know, the joy, the hope that they have, it's, it's very engaging and people want to help. And so we are really in the business of, of trying to help children that would otherwise not be able to receive an education. And our kind of our, I guess, our tagline, if you will, is helping Africa's most vulnerable children today so they can help Africa tomorrow. And so that's what we're about I I have your uh, press release here that uh, was sent to me, and there are highlighted three people in that. Uh, one is Dr. Robert, and I'm just going to say K because I'm not going to try to pronounce the last <laughs> name. And he, he yeah. and his he was orphaned, and it sounds like he was a very er, a young age when he was orphaned. And his bro, his mm-hmm. uh, brother and he and his sister traveled six months trying to get from wherever they were in Uganda. This was taking place during Idi Amin's uh, Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And that yes. the sister died along the way. And, and he and his brother are both medical doctors. That is just astounding. And it talks yes, about... They, a, uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Oh, I, no, I, I'm just agreeing. Yes, it's, it's remarkable that, you know, we would have one vision of seeing that child on on a TV news report, right? We would see that, and we would assume certain things, and um, and that it turned this story turns that on its head. Um, those children were uh, very uh, diligent, very determined to survive, and and look what has happened. You know, um, with the help of an organization, they were able to become what God had intended them to be. It reminds so me a I lot. That's pretty, oh, I'm sorry. It reminds me a lot yeah, no, no. Of, the, of something that probably has a lot more uh, uh, publicity or has had, and that's the Lost Boys and the, what they yes. went through during the the, yes. the the problems in their country. And 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 there are a couple of other people here in this thing that 
equally as uh, remarkable stories. Uh, and and it, tell me a little bit about how uh, the African Children's Choir started. Yes, our founder, Ray Barnett, who is lovingly referred to as Daddy Ray, he is a great humanitarian uh, pastor from Canada. He immigrated actually from Northern Ireland when he was a young man, became a pastor in Canada, and he just is a visionary. Um, you know, one of those people that you you know you don't get to meet very often. Somebody that sees beyond the the here and now. He can project. He can see the future in a, in a more clear way. And and he just he was he's watching the news and. He's not one to, to ignore the needs of people. It doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what religion, doesn't matter what race, but that we are first we are human um, because we're made in God's image. And so he was compelled. He was compelled by his faith and his love for Christ to do something when he, when he saw Christians being persecuted around the world back in the 70s. And he started an organization called Friends in the West. That work is what took him to Uganda during that brutal regime of Idi Amin, and he was seeing the images on TV. He heard what was going on. And when he got there and saw the number, the tens of thousands of children left orphaned by that war, he's like, we, we just have to do something. On one of his visits, he gave a ride. He was asked to give a ride to a little boy. I think he was like six, seven, eight years old, and uh, just transported him from one place to another. The little boy sang praise songs the whole way. And this little boy had lost both of his parents in the war. And Ray was gripped by the resiliency, the hope, the joy in this little boy, um, irregardless of his circumstance. And that's when Ray made the connection, said, if the, if the West could just see these children, if they could just experience these children um, and hear them sing, they would want to help. And so really because of the little boy singing, he got the idea for bringing out a choir. And the first choir came out in 1984, so 33 years ago. Um, so those children are now in their 40s, and we have those children, as, and then all the way down to the choir that just went home um, in this, this in this past year, you know, who are eight years old. And uh, so we've got everybody in between that range, and uh, we do now have doctors and lawyers and teachers and nurses and journalists and chefs and you know you name it we probably have a child a former choir child that is in that profession I, and so yeah. but yeah go ahead i i was just going to say uh, it, it, what i hear about this reminds me so much of what james tells us in james 127 it says pure unspoilt religion in the eyes of god our father is this coming to the help of orphans and widows in their hardships and keeping oneself uncontaminated mm -hmm. by the world and Mm. It, you know, and, and uh, one of the first things that you read in, in Exodus is uh, you will not ill-treat widows or orphans. And it sounds mm. as though your organization is taking that very much to heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a very, I mean, I, I, I do think um, we're doing something that Jesus cares deeply about and uh, that it's um, something that he would do if he was here. And and to me, that's profound. You know, I I... I, I, I've stopped using that word just flippantly because I think there's very, very few things that we do or that we see that are profound. And this, to me, is profound. When you can be involved in taking a life that's going 180 degrees this direction and completely flip it to 180 degrees going the other direction, 
that's profound impact on somebody's life. And that's what's happening. I mean, these children, very, very difficult, if not impossible, to break out of the cycle of poverty without an education in the areas where we're working. Education is the means by which people can break that cycle. And these families are just fighting to get a meal a day on the table, let alone trying to provide an education, which they desperately want for their child or their children, but they can't make that happen. And so, you know, we get to come alongside and and t- untap that potential <laughs> or, you know, tap into it and, and let it be revealed. And, and that's pretty remarkable. Um, and to be able to do that for 33 years, uh, the Lord has kept his hand on us, his gracious hand, and we're we're grateful. We we hope that He keeps His hand on us for much longer, and that we can we can uh, tap into some more of these children and and let them become uh, the change makers and the leaders and the influencers of their the areas where they live in the future. In the Catholic Church, we studied the parable of the talents several weeks ago. Uh, it was the, the the gospel reading, and these children's talents have been buried not by them, but by the forces mm-hmm. around them. And what it sounds like your organization is doing is helping the children to unbury their talents so that they can do the things mm-hmm. they can to make those talents grow and multiply. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, otherwise they're just they're completely overlooked, you know. And the saddest part to me is that we can only do so, you know, we can only help so many wouldn't it be great if we could really help all of them? And, uh, there, you know, there's just, it's an endless supply, unfortunately, of children like this. And so, um, yeah, well, that reminds I, me, I wish we could do more. That reminds me of the story about the little boy that was on the seashore and there were the, a bunch of starfish had, uh, washed up on the shore and he was throwing them back into the surf and mm. someone came along <laughs> and told him that you can't make it, you're not making any difference in the world. You can't ever save mm. all the star, starfish, and you can't make a difference. And he says, well, it made a difference to the ones that I've thrown back in. Absolutely. And so no matter, how little we, no matter how little we do, how small uh, African Children's Choir sees their ministry being, you are making a difference. And uh, Jesus himself had 12 men, one of whom uh, turned on him, and, and from those 12 men, look what happened. And that, the 12 mm-hmm. men just really isn't enough to do what, it, what has happened over the last 2,000 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I've even heard Daddy Ray use that ex- example of the starfish. Um, so that's interesting that you bring that up. But, yeah, it, it will make a tremendous difference in that life. And so when we, you know, that kind of just makes me think about my role as choir manager, my role is to, you know, we, the, the children tour just for, you know, a few months, but when they're under, uh, when they're on tour, when they're under, under my supervision, um, I am responsible, I'm entrusted, I have been made a steward of these children, and we want to give them our very best discipleship while they're on, while they're on tour. And so it, it gives so much meaning and purpose to my role. It's not just finding socks or it's not just, um, you know, uh, dealing with issues with the schedule. 
this is about discipling Africa's next generation. This is growing and planting seeds and, and tilling the soil and softening the soil and introducing them to the character of Christ as young children and setting setting the bumpers for their life, setting the boundaries for their lives, and you know really introducing them to to God and His character and His ways that are that are so good. And so that is pretty exciting for me to be able to have um, input to that sector of tour. You know, what are we going to do to give these children our very best discipleship? And when they go back home, um, you know, the blessing is that they're going to continue to be discipled. That's great. But for the, when they're on my watch, what, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these children? And so finding chaperones that we have volunteers that travel with the children as their family on the road. You know, I've got to make sure we've got the best people out there for those children to witness what does a life look like that is wholly surrendered to the Lord Jesus? What does yes. that look like? And, uh, and that's what I get to do. You know, that's, that's the fun part of my job. How long have you been well, doing this, all Tina? Always fun. <laughs> have you been doing this for um, some time? I have been with the organization for 14 years. I went out as a chaperone first, and then I came back. I did some booking uh, for them for about 10 and a half years, actually, booked their concerts, and then two and a half years ago became the choir manager. Does that mean that you will be here in Caldwell when the choir sings in Caldwell? Oh, I sure wish I was. We're actually starting a brand new choir out on the East Coast at the same exact time. So I will be with our new choir. Uh, They will have just arrived um, about a day or two before that. And uh, so we'll be knee-deep in training a new choir. Okay, so there isn't just one African children's choir. There are multiple choirs? There is um, basically one at a time. So um, this choir, the new choir, will come in two weeks before uh, the choir that's coming to you will leave on January 3rd. And so we do the training of the new choir in the last two weeks of the current choir so that when they go home, then the new choir is ready to start out on the road. Well, how long is a choir on the road? Is it for a year, 18 months, two years? Um, no, it's about uh, between nine and ten months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the new choir. Now, are there choirs? There's one choir in the U.S. Are there other choirs in other countries? Uh, no. Right now, in the in the past, actually, um, Jean, we have had two choirs going at the same time. Currently, we are just um, hosting one at a time. Okay. Okay. So, so you've been with the choir for 14 years. How in the world did you ever get involved in this? Other, I mean, you were a chaperone. Uh, did God twist your arm or somebody else? <laughs> Actually, uh, I guess you could say maybe the children did. I was working in college ministry at Washington State University, and um, one of our students, um, I was actually born in Africa. My dad was in the military, and so anything African has always, of course, held interest to me, right? And uh so this uh, student came in one night. Uh, we were supposed to be having Bible study at my home, and she came running in. She goes, hey, there's this African children's choir over at this church in the neighboring town. You guys want to go? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. All of us piled in the car. We drove over, and I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized. I could not believe what I was witnessing, and I wanted to know those children. I wanted to know what, what, what's this all about, what's going on here. I had just started in college ministry, and um, it just stuck with me for a long time. I, I figured I would be in some kind of cross-cultural ministry. I, I wanted to serve overseas, but 
never could find just the right fit. And over the course of the next 12 years, while I was um, in college ministry, I saw the, I kept seeing the choir. And the third time, I was like, okay, this this season is, I started to feel like that season was ending with college ministry. It was time for something different. And and uh, so I, and I saw the choir again. It was right after 9-11. And um, I applied, and I was out on the road with them about a year and a half later, and I've been with them ever since. So it was, wow. it was just seeing concerts. And, uh, and then finally, the third time, actually calling the office and saying, okay, what does it mean to be a chaperone? What does all that entail? And it's a volunteer position. All of our chaperones raise their own support. They don't receive a dime of the money that is given toward the organization. Um, and so they uh, tour with the children. They're their primary caretakers, their disciplers, their mentors. And um, But we, of course, overlook all of this, oversee all of their physical needs and well-being. And, uh, and so then, yeah, they just volunteer to come out and, and uh, take care of the children while they tour. Okay. This is, uh, this is very interesting, and uh, folks that are listening need to understand that this has been re- pre-recorded to accommodate Tina's uh, schedule. And we're talking with Tina Sipp, who is the choir manager for the African Children's Choir. And the reason why we're doing that at this time is the African Children's Choir will be at the Caldwell Civic Center uh, on December 22nd at 7 p.m., uh, and so we're very excited that that's happening, and we want to be sure that people know what, what is going on. And uh, if, if you like the music that you heard when we uh, started this conversation with Tina, uh, you may want to do that. And I'm not quite sure how you can. You could probably go to African Children's Choir. It's AfricanChildrenChoir.com, and I said org. I am so sorry. Uh, you can probably go there and figure out how to get tickets to go there. Or you can call the Caldwell Civic Center. I'm sure that they will let you know how to be able to do that. Tina, it's so good to have you here. And so, uh, so you God got your attention by someone running in the house and saying, "You really know, need to go see this choir." So he got you, he got <laughs> yeah. you interested, and it took three more times of seeing the choir to understand yep. that God was calling you to do something that was probably not in your comfort zone. Yeah, you know, I think um, he's so gracious to prepare you for the next step, right? You know, I had, um, it, it took me that long because I was really called to campus ministry those years and, and was really, uh, I think he was using that preparation time uh, for the next calling. And um, and so it it was just, yeah, it was a very smooth transition and uh, the timing was right and and so I don't, you know, he's he's always been that just that gracious to me, you know, to kind of unveil what the next step is in its proper time. And um, yeah, it wasn't hard to make the transition. I was really ready and uh, very excited. There was one morning when I woke up in Uganda, I'd flown over to meet the team and to fly out with them. And I was <laughs> laying on my back under this mosquito net, looking up at the ceiling going, what have I done? I've just left everything that's familiar that I've known for the last 14 years that I loved I'm in Uganda for Pete's sake. I don't know a thing about what I'm doing. And it lasted about five minutes, and I just never looked back. Um, but there was that moment of clarity, like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Um, but, you know, then then you meet the children that same morning, okay? That same morning I go down to breakfast, and we have devotions with the children. And the first two prayer requests, one child says, I thank God that um, all of all of us are alive today. The second child says, I thank God for the, for the bread and tea we had for breakfast. And, 
it was, you know, again, just another moment of clarity. The line was drawn for me. I'm like, when was the last time I thanked God that sincerely for the breath of life and for a very humble breakfast? I mean, when was the last time, Tina, you know? And um, the children taught me so much. Um, I think they live biblically more than I do in some respects. And so it's been a great a great lo- learning journey with the children, that is for sure, in the African culture. In our culture, sometimes uh, the things that we have get our, in our way of being grateful for the things that we have. Mm. And, the, mm. and, and we don't, don't you think we lose sight of what <laughs> is truly valuable? Uh, we'd rather have our iPad yeah. or uh, uh, mm. whatever, our cell phone or uh, a good dinner at a fine restaurant than just know that if we have what we need, mm. food, shelter, and clothing, the basics that we're, God mm. has blessed us. Yeah, I think, you know, in a material society, materialistic society and, uh, you know, things that we think we need to make us happy, I think there is a lure to the things that um, really we don't find our satisfaction in the things and in fact, we even talk with our host families, please don't give the children things, give them experiences, because we don't want to spoil them. They're, they come to us with such uh, innocence and such joy. In, I mean, they have probably dozens of games that they can just play in a circle. They don't need one item, and they're all laughing and you know, having a great time, and they don't have one thing to play that game. It's just words or songs or and they, they make their own toys out of things that they find around uh, the yards and the streets. And, you know, they, they just, they don't need stuff. And, and I think we've been lulled to believe that we do. And I, I'm not so convinced that we really need stuff to be, to be happy um, or to be content. I think uh, we're looking for something deeper even, and we just maybe uh, are looking in the wrong places. So uh, you, you, you said yes to God, and you said yes to the African Children's Choir, and everything went perfectly smoothly after that, right, Tina? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I would say um, when I got on tour, uh, I, was, I was older than our average chaperone. A lot of our chaperones kind of are, you know, after college, before work and family and all that. So they're, you know, in their 20s. I was 43 years old, and I had so much to learn. Um, the tour went fine, but the work in my own heart was what the Lord, you know, it was no it was no question to me or no secret to me very quickly when I got on tour why the Lord had called me to that. <clears throat> and I really believe to this day, Gene, that, you know, he loved me as I was, but he saw the things in my soul that really needed to be rooted out and dealt with and, and looked at. And I needed to, I needed a mirror um, to, to see myself, and, and tour was a very good mirror because you can't get away from anybody. You know, it's not like you go home at night away from your coworkers and, and uh, you can kind of hide. All of your uglies come right out to the surface and for all to see. And uh, the Lord was so gracious to say, I love you, but <laughs> there's some things that we need to work on. And uh, thank goodness. He didn't let me continue in all of that, you know, and that's, I think that's our journey, right? We're, we're all still in process. Um, it wasn't like he dealt with everything at that time, but he dealt with a lot of things I didn't know needed to be dealt with. And um, so it was, 
it wasn't smooth emotionally or relationally or uh, spiritually. It was not smooth. Um, but again, we give praise to God for that, right? We we don't want to stay the same. Who wants to not become more like Christ? I I want to welcome that. I want to be in a position of, uh, I want to be in a, a humble posture before the cross and say, Lord, bring it. Bring to me what it what it's going to take to look and act more like Jesus to people around me. So, um, no, it was not smooth, but it was glorious. <laughs> well, the, 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 uh, last this last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and the which is mm. the beginning of the liturgical year for the Catholic Church. And the last mm-hmm. few Sundays of the liturgical year are, are all of the readings focus upon uh, the end times and being prepared. Uh, the, the, the the story of the, the the bridesmaids, the story of the talents, the story of all sorts of stories, and uh, we we never know. And there's so much that we need to do to get ready to meet Jesus at the end of our lives and at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And we just there's and we have these little opportunities, these little windows. And too often, I think we we become more like the rich young man who turn away sad. When Jesus says that if we would be perfect, we, mm. we get rid of the things and follow him or lose our mm-hmm. attachment to the things and follow him. And it's it's a very difficult thing to do, and I'm sure that there was some difficulty for you in the process as well. Yeah, yeah, we tend to hang on to things. Um, you know, who knows why? You know, I don't know why we do that. Um, I don't know what what recording we're listening to in our head that makes us think that we need these kinds of things, but... Um, Again, the Lord in His grace. I think. I think adult, um, adult spirituality. Right. We we um, we grow up in the faith, and we grow up in our understanding of of His character. And uh, I think the more we understand the true, His true nature, uh, at least I have found it's it's a lot easier to submit to the, um, to the character that I've come to know, um, rather than just. The, the religion, just the faith, right? It's it's, yes. it's so much more of encountering the reality of, of who God is, and um, and so I, you know, I think if I had to summarize it, yeah, coming from maybe living out, living my faith, kind of the behavior modification, to coming into just a very comfortable armchair conversation with the Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's a big difference. There's a big difference, and um, you know, the the perspective on life changed dramatically after that so well you were talking about where did this does it come from but if you you look in genesis chapter three you find out that even Mm -hmm. adam and eve they had uh probably the most intimate relationship with god that anybody Mm -hmm. has ever had except for maybe mary and uh they wanted something more they wanted Mm -hmm. what the the Mm -hmm. tree of the knowledge of good and evil would give them that god was not enough for them and i think that's that's pretty much inherent in our nature as human beings. Hmm. Yeah, he gave us a choice, didn't he? He did, and we have a choice every day, and many times, multiple mm-hmm. times a day, to decide what whether God is enough or not. My God supp- mm-hmm. shall supply your every need, Paul tells us, mm-hmm. and we but we don't believe it. It's a great way to say it. Is he enough every day? Yep. Well, wow. tell me a little bit more about the history of African Children's Choir Team, and I'm speaking with Tina. Uh, Sip, and she's the choir manager for African Children's Choir, who are having a show, a performance at the uh, Caldwell Civic Center on the 22nd at 7 o'clock. Now, it started out in Uganda, but it didn't stay in Uganda. It went beyond that. 
Yes, it did. Um, and we eventually started works in in uh, seven different countries of, of Africa. And um, the, uh, I believe, um, through Daddy Ray, um, contacts were made and relationships developed with organizations and other people doing similar kinds of work and some partnerships developed. And, um, and so some of the some of the funds that we raise, essentially, we have been able to support 35 different Af- um, different educational programs over seven countries. Some of those, are, like I said, are run by partners. They're not necessarily a African Children's Choir Music for Life project itself. It's not like our staff running it, but it's a partner that we believe in their work and are doing similar things, and so we help fund them uh, to do the same kind of educational work. So. Yes, we've had a chance to affect children, um, you know, across several countries of Africa, and um, and so we're very, very pleased to, you know, that the Lord has allowed us to invest in children across the continent. And when I was reading a little bit about African Children's Choir, it appears that uh, that the organization went into countries where, first of all, where there was a lot of. Uh, were a lot of destitute people and uh, orphans Mm -hmm. created by war and civil unrest and uh, ethnic uh, Mm -hmm. difficulties. But then in South Africa, uh, as I understand, you went into South Africa because of all of the children who became orphans because of AIDS. Yes, yes. That's been Daddy Ray's heart, really, is to, uh, in a sense, where are the hot spots? You know where where are the injustices? Where are people really hurting? And and that, yeah, that's what's really driven him is we need to help there. And um, so you know that's when Uganda. That's how Uganda started. Definitely how South Africa started our work there, because there's, you know, I think I think they're now on either the second or third generation of child-led families, and uh, and that was very gripping for for Daddy Ray. You know, that's just children raising children and you can imagine if you start to extrapolate that out you know there if there's no nurturing there's no uh, continuity no constancy for children there's no adults to mentor children um, you can imagine the long-term impact that that could have and so it was a grave concern to daddy ray and so we did start in fact it was actually when i was on tour we started raising money for the very first project down in it's called Kamazi South Africa and uh, we began to raise money for that project and um, so yes Daddy Ray has a huge heart for you know he he just has the pulse of the world on you know he he just keeps the pulse and knows where these things are going on and um, responds he responds he doesn't ignore he responds so there the, there are more children involved in this than what show up on tour How, you... absolutely and yeah, thank you for saying it that way. Um, the children that you see on stage represent um, several thousand children back home that we're supporting. So they are really the ambassadors for many friends back home and children just like them. I mean, they're very representative. They're children that would not otherwise get an education. And the work that the choir does, they are supporting uh, thousands of children just like them. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... The, yeah. the children, so there are a lot of children that are in, uh, is, is it orphanage situations or uh, uh, residential schools or uh, what, what, what does that 
look like mm-hmm. in these African countries? Yeah, you know, again, um, I think we've kind of been ahead of the, the game. We have never separated children from their families. Okay. Uh, we, we did, uh, in, in fact, well, I, sh- I should back up. When, when we started in Uganda, the children didn't have families, and so we did send out a second choir. It kind of, you know, what we are now was not the original intent. It was, you know, kind of one thing led to another, led to another, and pretty soon, you know, here we are. Um, we've the Lord has really kind of got it, guided the development of the organization, but really it was just started. We got to help some children, so they sent the first choir out to raise some money to build an orphanage. Well, they got the orphanage, and we need to raise some money for them to go to school. So they sent out choir number two to raise some money for choir number one, and you know, so it just kind of. Um, evolved from there. And so in the early years, there actually were some children's homes, but it was very quickly uh, um, decided, uh, you know, if children had families, that they would stay with their families, but we would provide the education. And um, and so I think that that was very, that was very mindful. It was very, um, um, well, we want the children to affect their communities. And if you take the children out of the communities, how are they going to affect their community? And so I think the model that we have, the intent that we have, uh, we have stayed true to that. Well, God created the family, and that's, he created the family to bring children up. And, and there are children who unfortunately do not have families, and they need to be cared for in a different mm-hmm. way. And, and to, yes. to disrupt the family would be to disrupt God's order. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have some, yeah. uh, some interesting stories to tell about times on the road, too. Would you care to share one or two of them that uh, would be interesting to our audience? Yeah, let me, um, there's one story, it's not necessarily so much from the road, but um, we met, the the choir that I toured with was a combination of um, Rondi's children, there were 16 children from Rwanda that had been left orphaned by the genocide, and 10 Ugandans. And one of the little Rondi's gals, her name was Francoise, she was not really our best student on tour. She was a good student, but she wasn't the head of her class or anything like that. She was our, one of our youngest children. And after she got back home, her, before she came on tour, her father had, had already passed. And, but she, did have, she actually did still have a mom. And she got back, and about a year and a half to two years later, her mom passed. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly dawned on her. I, in fact, I, the reason I know this story is I, I just spoke with her last uh, last August. I was over in in Rwanda to see all of the children that I toured with, and I said, Francoise, what happened? You know, because she has become she graduated from uh, high school in Rwanda with the second highest national leaving exam score in the entire country. Wow. She just threw herself into her academics. And I said, Francoise, when did that change, you know? And she said, well, when I got home and mom died, I knew it was going to be up to me to take care of my family. She was fifth grade. She was fifth grade when she made that connection. And she decided that the way that she could take care of her family was to get a great education and to get a good job, and then she would be able to take care of her family. Well, she threw herself into her academics. She started a nonprofit organization to empower young women, and she recently received, um, so uh, when she graduated, she was received an invitation to essentially kind of a presidential scholar program. There was 40 students selected from four African countries, and they lived together for a year. They studied for the, the U.S. National, uh, or the SAT, 
college entrance exam. And not only did she do well on that, she got admitted to a Middlebury College in Vermont on a full-ride scholarship. And I had the pleasure and the joy of going to meet her in Vermont this August when she got off that plane and got to do the whole orientation thing with her at her college. She is wanting to study public health, go back to Rwanda, and influence her country. That, to me, is about as full circle and about as satisfying as anything I've ever done or witnessed or been a part of. And I can't say that I had a personal tremendous impact on that little gal. I hope our team did. Um, and I think we did, you know, we, we certainly tried our best to, to disciple the children. She's a, a wonderful, godly woman. She's wise beyond her years. She's kind. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. And she is going to make a mark. It's a, she is going to make her mark. It is the old story again of uh, that you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day mm. or teach a man to fish and feed him for a lifetime. Mm. So it sounds to me as though African Children's mm. Choir uh, and the related uh, ministries are not only doing the initial feeding but teaching the fishing so that, that the, the, they can feed others. Absolutely. That's the whole thing is it, we're raising them to give back. Um, you know, this is, that's, that's a biblical principle, isn't it? I mean, we've been blessed to be a blessing. And, yes. um, and so that's the mentality we're, we're trying to instill. You have been given much, um, much as expected, you know, much as we, we now turn that around. And you know what's beautiful is that that's so natural in the African culture. They do that without prompt. I mean, that's just who they are. They give back. They share whatever they have. They help each other. They are community. And I think we could we could learn a lot from the African culture in that respect. Um, you want to talk about wealth and poverty from a spiritual standpoint, which country might, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not so sure we're the wealthy country in God's economy. We've lost some of those things. And and Africa has helped put it back into my life, that's for sure. And so it's very natural for them to give and to think of serving others and to help others. That's just who they are. And um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We've got about three, four minutes left, uh, Tina. Uh, is there a message that you would like to give to our listeners, something uh, that mm. you would like them to take away from our time together today? Hmm. You know, I think, again, with the image that's often portrayed of Africa with its challenges, it's very easy to kind of label it as a poor, pathetic place. And um, that, you know, that when we help, we're kind of reaching down to them and pulling them up. And I'd like to change that view. I, I think that we, we reach across, and I'd rather people think of it as uh, an investment. Um, there are children that don't have the opportunity to have their potential actualized. And with a very, um, you know, in, in, term, in, in, in comparative terms, for um, a, a financial investment that probably wouldn't cost most of us very much, you can dramatically change a, a life, dramatically change a life, and, and do something very profound with some of your resources. And so I, I hope that people don't give because they feel sorry for these children. They 
have so much dignity and they have so much talent and they're not pathetic <laughs> they're they're um they're they're quite beautiful and they just lack opportunity so i hope people will consider to in, consider investing with us and to give generously you know there's a lot that we want to do and uh um you know again on the relative scale of things um probably wouldn't cost you a whole lot to to make an incredible change in somebody's life and so we encourage people to consider that to pray about that to invest with us and and change a life one you know one person at a time and, and they, uh, raise up future leadership and they can do that by going mm-hmm. to africanschildrenschoir.com now the i'm going to yes. mention one more time uh the african children's choir is going to be at the caldwell civic center uh on december 22nd at 7 p.m now is there a is there an admission fee, or is it uh, free will offering at the end of the of the uh, the uh, choir's performance? Yes, I believe it's just a free will offering for that concert. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people can not only uh, hear some wonderful music and see some exuberant children, but they can also help make this happen for the future. Absolutely, absolutely, they can play a, a very integral part in in potentially even changing the tide of some of Africa's challenges. I've been speaking with Tina Sipp, who's the choir manager for the African Children's Choir, and I want to thank you so much, Tina, for what you've done and ask that God's blessing upon what you do. And for our listeners, listen in again next week. And remember, when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up. And Tina, if you can stay on the line for just a minute, I'd like to talk to you after the broadcast. Thank you. Tu te pido para a